we, the, the, the title of my message this morning is He Promised. He Promised. I know that we've come to the, the end of the year. It's the last Sunday of the year. And for m- many of us, it may be the last church service of the year or the church day of the year. And we look back at this year and we go, hmm, what has happened this year? We look back on the year and we say, God, you promised something to me, but I haven't seen it come to pass yet. You know, when we're kids, when you're young and you're kids and, and somebody says, you know what, you, you, get a, you get a turn on the Xbox or you get, you get a turn riding a bike or, or whatever it is that you do, and, the, and I, I promise that when I get finished here, you can. You ever heard that? I promise. You remember that when you was a kid? I promise when, you, when I get finished, you can do this. You know, and then I promise doesn't happen. My brother and I, we grew up, you know, on a farm, and we didn't have a whole lot of stuff, you know, for, you know, we didn't, we just, we just didn't. We just had a small house, and we, I liked to read. My brother liked to play. He didn't like to read. We were opposite. So my brother came in, he'd say, hey, Adam, let's go out inside and play. I says, okay, wait till I get to the end of this chapter, and then we'll play. So he'd go outside and play, because he went, well, wait, I mean, then he'd come back in, hey, when are you going to come play when I get to the end of this chapter? It's a long chapter. What chapter are you on? Chapter 9. Okay. You go outside. Come back in. You ready to play? I wanna, let me finish this chapter up. What chapter are you on? 10. You were on 9 the last time I came in here. You promised. We said it, right? Well, you promised. You promised. We do that with God, don't we? A lot of times, God, you promised this. Why hasn't it come to pass? Why hasn't it happened? We look at, we're looking at the end of the year, and we're going, God, why has, has this not happened for us yet? And I want to start out with our first scripture this morning that comes out of Matthew chapter 19 and verse 26. It's kind of our, our scripture for our church. And it says, Jesus looked at them intently and said, hum, humanly speaking, it is impossible but with God, everything is possible. I said this earlier. He was taught, they were saying, well, how can somebody be saved? How can they be transformed? How can they be re- renewed? He says, with God, all things are possible. But notice, he wasn't, he says, but with God, everything. Not just this, not just this one thing that we're talking about. He just went ahead and lumped it all in. He says, with God, everything is possible. So when we, when we look at the, we come to the end of this year, and we look at the promises, maybe you have prayed for something. And the Lord says, this is what I'm going to do for you. And you go, but God, it has not happened yet. And we come to the end of the year, and I expected it to happen. It hasn't happened yet. What is going on, God? I want to give you five things to think about this morning. Five things. I know it's more than three points, but I couldn't get away with less than five, okay? And I, I, just stopped, I stopped at five. The Lord says, okay, you can stop right here. So I'm going to give you five things this morning that, it's going to help you understand why he promised and why he keeps his promises, why it's going to happen, okay? So the first thing I want to say this morning is just because you have not seen the promise fulfilled does not mean that it is not going to happen. 
See, so many times we say, well, it hasn't happened, so therefore it's not. As a matter of fact, maybe it's been five or ten years. The Lord, you're, you're standing on a promise that God gave you, and it hasn't happened. Just because you don't see it fulfilled does not mean it's not going to happen. See, this is, there's no expiration on God's promises. There's no expiration date like you go to the, the store and there's milk, right? And there's an expiration date of the milk, and eventually they'll mark that milk down, and when it clo- closer it gets to the expiration, you might can walk out of there with a gallon of milk for a dollar, you know, that's cheap nowadays. A gallon of milk for a dollar. If you've got kids like I do, you'll know that's cheap. <clears throat> but, but the expiration, but there's no expiration date on God's promises. What we don't see is what God is doing behind the scenes. We can't see those things. You ever went to a concert? You go, wow, this is awesome. Look at all this. You know, go Toby Mac. Oh, wow, look at all this. But what you don't see is everything that happened before you got there. What you don't see is what's going on behind the scenes. You know, a, a, a person who plays a guitar in a concert on the stage, what you don't see is they've got people back there tuning guitars. They've got three or four or five guitars. They've got somebody back there through the whole thing a lot of times holding a guitar in their hand ready to bring it out to you in case you break a string. What you don't see going on behind the scenes is the same way with God. We, we, we know there's a promise. God has given us a promise. It hasn't happened, but we don't see what's going on behind the scenes. And that discourages us because we go, I don't see it happening. God says, hey, I'm doing something behind the scenes. As a matter of fact, sometimes we're so worried about the future, we're so worried about looking at the future that we miss what God is doing today. And he gives, us, he gives us a word there in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. He said, don't worry about next week. He says, don't worry about Monday, today's Sunday. Don't worry about tomorrow for what tomorrow will bring. It, it has its own worries. Today's trouble is enough. It's enough. You got enough troubles thinking about today. And some of you go, man, you, you ain't kidding. I've got a lot of troubles today. Would, you have enough troubles thinking about what is going on today. Don't be worrying about tomorrow. See, we, we get so focused on worrying about the future that we miss what God's doing today. We get so worried. We have people today who are sick, and they're discouraged because they're so focused and so worried on the future, what's going to happen in the future whether it's their finances, whether it's the, the, the political climate out there, whether it's a trip they've got, whatever it is, they get so worried that they make themselves sick. As Christians, we worry about tomorrow. We miss out what God's wanting to do in our lives today. And you say, but, but I, at least I've got a plan. It's okay. You can plan. But there's a difference between planning and worrying. Okay, there's a difference. Planning is looking out there and saying, okay, I I see a few things here. I need to do this. I need to do that. That can actually be good because then you don't have to worry because you got it planned out, right? But what we have to understand is even when we plan things out, God may have a different direction that he wants to take us, and we need to be ready to move with the plan of God. But we don't have to worry about it. You know, we begin to worry about it, and we don't understand that if we are in the Bible and if we are talking to the Lord and if we're praying and we're following in his footsteps, he's not going to walk us off a cliff. He ain't going to do it. As a matter of fact, when Jesus was out on the water and Peter says, Lord, if it's you, call me out there. When Peter stepped out, he didn't sink immediately. He stepped on the water. It was when he began to worry that he began to sink. It wasn't before he he stepped on the water. It was after, and he began to look at everything that was around him. 
that he began to sink. God isn't going to bring you out on the water if he's not going to let you walk on it. And if you are sinking, you know what you can do? You can look up to the master and you can say, Jesus, that's all you got to do. You just call out Jesus and he'll reach out and he can pull you up. He can pull you up. We don't need to worry about it. We can plan, but don't worry about it. Don't worry about the plan. Maybe God's got a plan and he's given you a plan. Don't worry about the plan. He's going to work it out. He's, he's told you, hey, this, uh, this is what's going to happen next. We get to worry about, well, how's that going to work out? God, how are you going to do that? There's a, there's a book series that I love so much. It's the Left Behind series by Tim LaHaye and Jerry B. Jenkins. And in it, Zion Ben Judah, that's my gamer name on Xbox. If anybody ever plays Xbox, you see that. But Zion Ben Judah is a rabbi in, uh, in this book series, okay? And at one point, after they are, the, the Antichrist uh, is, is trying to take them out, and, and, and they're hiding out, and they have this, this radio station on the internet, okay? And as he's talking, he tells something in this message. He says that the Jews are going to go to Petra. Petra is, is, a, is a town built out of rock. The Jews are going to flee to Petra. After he sends it, his assistant, Chloe, his assistant, Chloe, that's where Chloe got her name. I mean, we love this, this book series. Uh, Chloe is a good name too. But the assistant says, Zion, Rabbi Zion, did you mean to tell over the airwaves that, that all the Jews are going to flee over here? And Zion and Judah, who has come to Christ and who loves the Lord, and he sees all the miraculous things in it, he goes, oh, no, what's going to happen? What are we going to do now? And when I heard that, I said, what an idiot. He's seen everything that God's done. He saw the rapture take place. He sees all this thing, and now he's scared to death about what's going to happen. You cannot mess up God's plan. You can't mess it up. You go, man, I've tripped up. I've made mistakes. You can't mess up God's plan. If he's got a plan, it's going to happen. Jesus was coming before you were ever born. He already had a plan of salvation for you before you were ever born. You're not going to mess that plan up. And just like Zion ben Judah in that book, he, he wasn't going to mess up God's plan. But, you know, we get worried. We worry about, oh, man, what if I trip up? What if I make mistakes? We get so worried that we don't follow God's plan for our life. Instead, we sit still, and we go, well, if I just sit here at the chair at the church, and I won't do anything wrong, I won't make a mistake, I won't mess up, so I won't go anywhere, I won't do anything, and everything will be great. And the Lord's going, but if you're sitting still, if you're not following me, you're not walking in my footsteps, if you're not listening to my voice, if you're not reading my word, then how in the world can you do anything that I need you to do? How's the plan going to take, how's the plan going to happen? We look at it, we... uh, we, we talk about worrying, and this, this verse, there's different, there's different translations, right, that you read, New Living Translation, Modern English Version, King James Version, New King James. We, we just go through, there's a thousand of them out there nowadays. But I love this, right? It says, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. You ever have anxiety? You ever feel a little bit of anxiety? Be anxious for nothing, but instead in everything by prayer and supplication with gratitude, with thankfulness to God, make your requests known. He didn't say, hey, when everything comes to pass and everything happens, then be thankful. 
then have gratitude. No, beforehand. Have you ever prayed? You say this, God, I thank you that you're going to answer this prayer. God, I just want to thank you for that. You're such an amazing, you're such an awesome God that you are taking care of this. Before I even said it, you knew the need that I have. You're such a good father that you care about me so much that you're paying attention. See, what we have to understand is we're like little children. No matter how smart you are, no matter how intelligent you are, no matter how old you are, no matter how much of the Bible that you know, you're still a little child to God. We don't know nothing. And all of you who have children, or have babysitted children, what happens with a little child? You're watching over them, and you go this. Whoop, stop. Whoop, hold, hold on. Don't touch that. Don't get, no, don't do that right there. Oh, don't eat that. Don't, that's not, you don't need to eat that. Now, even when you get older, parents, come on, right? You tell your children the same thing. Don't drive so fast. Stop. I remember <laughs> when I first started driving, well, I should say, not when I first. I grew up on a farm. I was driving when I was eight years old. <clears throat> but I had not had a, a, my uh, permit to drive with my mom or dad or whoever, you know. And uh, we had this hog farm. When I say hog farm, I mean, we had 400 sow, 350 sow hog operation. And uh, you come off this gravel road hill that was ours, and you come out, and then you come up to the, to the highway. And I'm zooming down here, Mitsubishi Montero, and I'm, mom's over here on the right side, and we come up. And you kind of crest up and stop at the, at the highway. Well, I crested up and stopped too, too fast for her because she's like, stop! I was like, I am stopping. Doesn't matter what, what age you are, we, we still want to help our children out, right? And God's the same way. He's like, oh, I know you're smart. I know you're intelligent. I know you know all this stuff, but I'm here to help you out. I'm here to help you as you go along. So, just call on me. See, I have problems. You have problems. But we've got to learn to let God have those problems and stop holding on to them. You know, when you got a bag of rotten fruit, do you put all the other fruit in that bag? No, 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 no. You throw the rotten fruit out. You put your, your, your good fruit in a different bag. But what do we do? When we hold on to our problems, we take the good stuff and we're putting the rotten stuff in with it. And then we wonder why things are stinking so bad. Because we needed to give it to God. We need to let him take care of it. We need to reach out to him and let him take those burdens off of you. In the Pilgrim's Progress, which I know I talk about a lot, but it's such a good book. But in the Pilgrim's Progress, when he comes to the cross, he lays his burdens at the cross. See, when we come to Jesus, we lay our burdens. Those burdens can be a lot more than just sin. Those burdens can be the worries. It can be the things. And every time we come to prayer, it's like coming to the cross and saying, because of this cross, so many great things happen in my life. Because of this cross, no longer do I have to go to a temple to receive the power of the Holy Spirit through a priest, but I'm able to go directly to God because the key is the cross. And I could go to the cross and lay my burdens there. God leads us and he guides us. And when we let worry and anxiety rule, then we're not letting God be who he wants to be in our lives. We're not doing that. We're not letting him be who he wants to be in our lives. Our second thing when we're talking about why, what is going on about the promise that God has given me? Why haven't I seen it fulfilled? Secondly, God may be, God may it's supposed to be, God may be growing you before he fulfills the promise he gave you. God may be growing you 
before he fulfills the promise he gave you. Have you thought about it? Have you asked God, God, what, what do I need to do? Not, not, I'm not talking about worrying, but what do I need to do? The promises here, I know you, you, you've already said it. See, God's promises are yes and amen. So be it. They're gonna happen, right? What do you need me to do? How, what are you trying to teach me right now? Have we ever thought about, what are you trying to teach me? What, what, what do you want me to know? What, how do you want me to change? Is there something that needs to change in my life? God, how do you need to grow me? What areas of my life do I need to grow in? What is the biggest area that people need to grow in? Relying on God. That's the biggest area. Because it's difficult. If you're like me, I want to do it all. It's hard. I mean, if there's something that needs to be done, just, just, just give me a hammer, give me some nails, let me get it done. I don't think about, hey, who do I need to call? I don't think, you know, it's, it's hard to go, okay, God, maybe I should pray and ask. I mean, this, this young lady over here, she just prays and says, hey, God, I need you to need this taken care of. Could you have somebody call me? I mean, it happens. And see, if I was smart, I'd be like her and I'd have a little bit less to do. But I, I, I have this kind of guy that I, I feel like I've got to take it on. Now, maybe, maybe um, that kind of just hard labor is not what you've got to give up to God. But maybe it's something else. Maybe it's something in your job. Maybe it's a relationship with somebody. Maybe it's something with your children. And God says, listen, you can hold on to it, and you can try to do whatever you want to with it, or you can just let me have it. That's your choice. But I told you not to be anxious for anything. Why don't you just let me have it and then rejoice that I've taken care of it? We talk about kids, right? We talk about the kids. And when they come to you and they say, hey, mom, dad, I don't, you know, I got some money for my birthday. Our kids will do this. I used to do this. Of course, we have a safe room to put it in. But here, will you hold on to this? Or if we're at, if we're a distance away, like if they're, they're Mimi and Papa's and they gave them some money for Christmas, mom, will you hold on this money until I get home so I don't lose it? Well, they, they don't have to worry about it. Why? They put it in somebody else's hands. They put it in their parents' hands. The Lord says, put it in my hands so that I can worry about it. And instead of trying to do it all yourself, instead of trying to make God's promise come true yourself, let him make it come true. Because he didn't say, with you, this will be possible. He says, with God, with the Father, everything is possible. He doesn't need you. Do you get me? He doesn't need you. Have you ever said that to your children when they start telling you something? Of course, I have four girls, right? And they'll, they'll, start, they'll start saying, hey, Tell one of the girls, and I'll say, hey, I don't need you talking to them. I can talk to them. I'm, I'm in this room. What are you doing the talking for? I can do the talking. God doesn't need you. God wants you. God wants you. That's the great thing. See, when you go to work, they need you to work. They need you. But what's cooler is, is like Chloe, she's got a call, you know, from her boss before, from the owner of Chick-fil-A saying, hey, can you work for me? Why? Because he trusts. That's the way God is. He wants you. It's not that he needs you. He wants you. He loves you. He cares about you. Number three, God is fulfilling his promise, but you won't see all he is doing until you look back. Now, God is fulfilling his promise, but you won't see all that he's doing until you look back. Now, most of the time when we talk about looking back, we say, don't look on your past past is in the past. Don't worry about it. But in, we just need to look at the future. But in this case, I say, look at your past. See what God 
has been doing to fulfill his promise. See what God has been doing. And I'm going to give you an example. I'm not going to take a whole long time with this example because it could take forever. For you, those of you who don't know, we started Unlimited Church in 2016. But the path was a, was a lot crazier than that. In 2014, Christy and I, we went and we, we went to San Francisco and we went to some church planning to, to learn more about church planning and to try to, to be better. Then in 2015, we had to sell my mom's house and to, to move to Maumau. Now, the problem with selling my mom's house is the market, it was crazy, the market where her house was had really just plummeted. I mean, we, I called four, I called four uh, realtors out there, and they, they're all good realtors. None of them knew each other. I called four realtors out there, and they're all like, this is what you can get for the house. And I was like, wait a minute. My mom bought this house five years ago. I have renovated the house. It looks great, looks awesome, outside, inside, everything. It's in great shape. Five years ago, four or five years ago, she bought it, and they're saying the best you can do is $30,000 less than what my mom bought it for. I was like, that's not even possible. I said, that's crazy. Four independent people said this is what's going to happen. Now, one of them said, well, I'll hang with you. You know, I'll help you out. I says, I can't pay you, even at a reduced price. And so, so what I decided to do is I put it on the market, and I says, okay, God. Okay, God, we're just going to give it to you, and I'm going to sell it myself. I don't know nothing about selling a house, but I'm going to sell it myself to save the money. So I put it on the market, and month one, somebody comes and looks at the house, and that's it. Now, during this time, earlier and during this time, we had been coming to Mom Mel. We've been praying around Mom Mel. We've been saying, God, what do you want to do? Where do you want to take us? This is, this is about 2014 and, and everything, 2014. And we looking around at, at everything, and we find this house. And Mom and I, Nina and I, we go into the house. We look at it, and we walk through the house. We're looking at the house, and we're like, oh, this is great. It'll work out perfectly for us. But there's no, you know, we got to get her house sold. And, and, you know, eight months went by and nothing on her house. So the other house, we forgot about it. Then all of a sudden, <clears throat> Christy and I are in Oklahoma City at a new church plant that is starting that day. And we get a phone call. We're like, we're going to go. We're going to sleep in. We don't have the kids with us. And we're going to sleep in on a Friday. And I get a phone call at 8 a.m. I says, yeah, there we go. <laughs> Trying to sleep in. And we get a phone call and the person says, hey, um, that we'd had a realtor, this was the second person, eight months, second person who had looked at the house, says, we want to make you an offer on the house for your full asking price. Now, we had to have the full asking price so that we weren't out any money, okay? Full asking price. I was like, what? I didn't say that on the phone, but I was like, Christy, wake up, wake up. Yeah, you got to hear this. So we, sit, we sell the house. We come over here. We're looking at this house up on Chico in Maumelle, and, and it needed a lot of work, a lot of work. I was like, okay, you know, you know me. I do construction, so I could, I could fix this house up and make it look good. And, and it's great price and everything. I'm looking at it, oh, it's a good price. And then we drive by the house one day, and there are people crawling all over the house. It's like, wait a minute. We put an offer on the house. We couldn't get a hold of the realtor. Our realtor couldn't get a hold of their realtor. And then he comes to find out that this person had got this realtor, and 
there was a, we were able to find out there was all kinds of problems with this house, and we're just like, well, forget it. And then I get a phone call from another guy. He says, hey, you remember that house that was for sale a year ago? I says, yeah, it's off the market. He says, no, it's for sale again. I says, no, that's impossible. It can be. He says, it is. Long story short, we end up purchasing that house that we had looked at, that I had prayed over, over about a year earlier than that. The sa- it went on the market the same month my mom's house sold. Went back on the market. The same month, we paid uh, $20 a square foot less than what they were asking for it a year before. $20 a square foot less. So I could go through more and more things. We, we were going to start the, the church at, in the middle school. At the very last second, they backed out. I was like, what are we going to do? It's 2016. And, and God sent us to the Maumelle Event Center. The, the, the wife of the Mom Ellen Event Center owner, she's like, no, I don't want to do that. I want a church in here. I says, let me just talk to her. We sit down, we talk to her. She's, she, two days later, this says, yes, we want to do it. So the, the, this is just, I don't want to, I'd spend all morning telling the story, but this is all of it. But you go, all right, that's great. That's a great example, a little bit of a great example, but let me take you back 10 years before that. Christy and I felt like the Lord wanted us to start a church. So we had some friends, we had a, this awesome prayer meeting one night, and we says, well, let's, let's just start a Bible study in the house. And after a few months, it just fizzled out. It was horrible. It was just like, I should say it's horrible. It just, it wasn't working. And we're like, well, maybe we're wrong. The promise, what God had laid in our heart, said, He's, this is what I want to do with you. Number one, we weren't in the right place. It wasn't Mom L, It was somewhere else. We weren't in the right place. But number two, it all came around and came to pass. It all came to pass. When we look back, I could, like I said, I could go over every detail. There are so many miracles that happened in the process. And if you look, if I look back over it, told you everyone, you go, whoa, what, huh, what? Get into the detail with it. You would be shocked. But that's what you need to do. I haven't seen the promise. Why don't you look back and start seeing what God has been doing leading up to that promise? Maybe it started five years ago. Maybe it was 10 years ago, like I just said. Ten years before we came to Maumel. Ten years. Maybe that's what it is. Look back over that promise. Our fourth one. If we don't ask him to fulfill his promise he gave us, he will not force it on us. If we don't ask him to fulfill his promise he gave us, he will not force it on us. See, our God is not a God who says, this is what I'm going to do otherwise. Because when we look, he gave, uh, he gave us this, this promise of planting this church in in Maumelle, and if we'd not accepted the promise, if we'd not acted on the promise and asked him to fulfill it, he wouldn't have done it. You see, everybody goes, well, I, I, he gave me a promise. And what I say earlier? And we sit down on the seat at the church and go, well, that's great. That's great. That's good. I'm waiting for it to happen. Waiting for it to happen. And God's like, but you're not doing anything. You're not doing anything to get to that promise. He will not, infor- he will not force it on us. If you look at Abraham Abraham followed God. Abraham took his son up onto the top of the mountain and was gonna, going to kill his son. But what he understood is God gave me a promise that out of Isaac, there would be a multitude of people. Many nations would come for my son Isaac. And so when he stepped up on that mountain, I, Abraham was sitting here. He's had to know. He's like, well, if I kill him, God's going to have to raise him from the dead because God keeps his promises. But what did Abraham do? He followed what God told him to do. He went up the mountain and did what God told him to do. When we look at David, when we look at Joseph, when you go down through the line of, of people in the Bible, how about the disciples? When the disciples, 
uh, when Jesus left, he says, I'm going to send you the promise of the Father. I'm going to send you the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send him to you as a comforter. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to tarry there until it comes. And what happened? The promise came. The promise came. But what did they do? They went and had a prayer meeting. And for 10 days, they had a prayer meeting. They were saying, God, we're here. We're listening. We, we want this. We desire everything that you've got for us. Everything. That leads us to our fifth point. We must wait. When they went, when the disciples went to Jerusalem, they had to wait 10 days. Did you hear anybody going, well, man, it's been three hours. I guess prayer meeting's over. Don't, isn't that what we do? 30 minutes. I don't feel God moving yet. Let's go home. God says, just wait. Just wait. Now, I'm not saying that the, that the promise is that you're supposed to pray for 10 days, but I'm saying if God gave you a promise, sometimes as we look back at everything God's done and we look at all the weirdness and maybe some of the chaotic things that have happened, maybe things that have happened in our life that hurt, but we say, wait a minute, God promised and I'm going to wait till that promise comes. I'm going to continue to work. I'm going to continue to work because I know he's coming back one day. And the Bible says we're supposed to work. We're supposed to work. We're supposed to just continue working. We're supposed to continue telling people about Jesus. We're supposed to continue praying for people, continuing loving people, and continuing being Christians to them, being Christ to people. We need to continue doing that. But we still wait. We still have patience in that. When you look at all the people that I mentioned just a few minutes ago, when you look at all these people, all of them had time that they had to wait. David was anointed king. He had oil poured all over him. But he never took the step of killing Saul himself. He says, I will not touch him. I'll let God take care of this. God appointed him, and I'll wait until God takes him out, and then God will appoint me. God will put me there. I know that it's coming but I'm not going to jump ahead of it. See, we like to do that. We like to jump ahead of God. I'll do this over here to make it happen. You can't put jet fuel in a four-cylinder car and make it go faster. You can blow the engine up. You can burn it up, but it's not going to make it go faster. But we do that with God a lot of times. God, I'll do this over here so that it'll happen, so that the promise will happen. God, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll, I'll go, you know, I'll move to make it happen. And God says, I don't need you to move and make it. I, don't, I need you just to wait on me, to listen to me, and wait for me to tell you what to do. And when it comes and it happens, you will know that it's me, that it's not you. That it's me, that it's not you. And in this, you will grow. In this, you're going to grow up as you go through this. Don't think that you're different than anybody else. In a culture of fast food, cable TV, Uber, and cell phones, we have to get, go against the cultural norm, cultural norm. We have to go against that norm. And we have to say, everything else is, is it's fast, fast, fast. We've got to go, go, go. Instead, go, oh, let's just wait. I think of David Livingston, a missionary to Africa. It's years and years and years. He could have stopped and he could have said, well, you know, this is too hard. It's taking too long. But instead, he was the one responsible for mapping Africa out for other people, a missionary. God used him to see many, many lives come to salvation. And when we wait, we then can enjoy God. 
We can enjoy who he is as a father. We can, instead of worried about, oh, it's got to happen. No, let's just enjoy God. We know he's taking care of us. We can enjoy how he's growing, growing us. We can talk to him. We don't need to rush him. We don't need to rush him. Just spend time with him. Treat him with love and respect. Saying, God, I know you got it taken care of. God, I know you're in charge. Man, you're a great God. Thank you for taking care of this. Thank you for, for being in charge of it. Let him know that he's important to you and that he's a good father. Love him and let him love on you. Let him love on you. You know, you wait for Christmas to come around to get your presents, especially kids wait on Christmas. And it's enjoyable when you get it. If you rush it, it just has a different feel to it. But when you wait and you go, hey, I can wait. I can still spend time with my parents. I can still love on them even though I don't have have that gift just yet. I know it's coming. I will be okay. Just love him. Love him. He's a great father. And know that he's in control and rest in his timing. Rest in God's timing, not your busy life. Your busy life's busy. I understand. I got a busy life. But rest that he's going to take care of it, that he's going to do it in his timing. Praise God this morning.